Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys, welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. <laughs> I think I need my sweetie to actually record me something that says that so you don't have to listen to my awful singing. <laughs> oh my God, you guys, here we are. If you are hearing the sound of my voice, perhaps we have all made it officially into 2021. Can you believe this shit? Here we are. Miracles, miracles can happen. I'm a big time believer in miracles. And so here's the deal. Here's what I want to talk to you about. I think I'm going to call today, we're going to call this sucker, you are the one you've been waiting for. You're the one you've been waiting for. All right. Now, let me break that sucker down a little bit. <laughs> what do you mean, KK? I'm the one I've been waiting for. Well, let me tell you. Let me just back it up a little bit. So you know how like I talk to you guys on this show, right? Like that's me. This is like me transferring some feeling like Tolstoy says from one hat to another. That is the purpose of art. And I think of podcasts as creative endeavors. I think of this as a way of me transferring some love from my, my lips are really dry. This is me transferring some love from my hat to your hat. So just like on this show, while I'm like flapping my gums, like opening my big mouth and sharing what's on my mind and in my heart in hopes of, again, extending that love to you as one of my brothers and sisters. We're all God's kids. If you don't like the word God, insert your own happy word, right? So here I am talking to you. Um, and you know, this is what I do. I talk to people pretty much for a living, right? People are like, what do you do for a living? I'm like, well, I happen to do a lot of talking. So I talk on the podcast. I talk in my one-to-one -one mentoring clients. I talk uh, teaching all throughout the month in the nest and doing videos of the nest and modules and all that stuff, my spiritual membership. So as a spiritual mem mentor, like I talk to people all the time and I talk to them about a lot of shit, right? I talk to people about the wicked hard stuff that goes on in this human experience and how we can take these things that have happened, right? We can't control 90% of the time what's happening in the world. We can control how we think about what's happening, right? We talk about this in A Course in Miracles all the time. So here I am as a spiritual mentor in lots of capacities, and I do that in different ways, right? Um, and so, um, so I talk to people about the wicked hard stuff that happens as a spiritual being having this human experience and how we can take these things that have happened, these stories, these old beliefs, the traumas, these old core wounds, um, and, and, and through, we take these things through divine alchemy, through divine alchemy through the use of some spiritual tools from the spiritual toolkit, through some mind training, 
through changing and shifting our perception from fear to love, which is actually what a miracle is, and shifting our interpretation of the events and the meaning that we've assigned things. So we literally use this process that I have called your story to your glory. So, you know, in this work where I'm talking to people, um, I'm helping them to kind of like see the glory in their stories. And we all need help with this because if we don't rewrite, and when I say by rewrite, what I mean by that is to revise, to revision, to look upon anew with new eyes. If we don't revise our stories from our childhood, and I'm not saying change what happened, like denying what happened, but looking at them, like looking at these things from a new lens. And that's part of the work that I'm always doing, uh, whether I'm creating modules for the nest or talking to one-to-one -one clients or whatever I'm doing. So here we are. I talk to people for a living. And when I talk to them, right, clearly some things come up. And while the details of the story might be different, meaning like it might not be like, oh, and look, at there's a lot of different reasons why people come to work with me. But so I, there's this old saying that's kind of like, Ah, oh, I wish I knew. I know that the first time I heard it, it was from Andre Debus, my writing mentor, Andre Debus III, but it's not his quote, but he was relaying it. But it's something about how like happy families are all the same. Like happy families are happy in a lot of the same ways. Um, but un I could be screwing this up, but I'm pretty sure this is what I remember. But unhappy people, unhappy families is like a thousand different ways. But here's the thing. The details of the story sometimes don't even matter. Um, the universal thread that runs through it. So whether it's, oh, like in my case, right? Like mother murdered when I was 12 or somebody was betrayed or somebody was molested or somebody's house burned down or somebody's, you know, child died or somebody lost their job or somebody got diagnosed. Like the, the details of the stories might all be different, but the universal thread that often runs through all of these different personal stories. And it's something that I often hear again and again and again. Like, so I'll be talking to people, right? And, um, and all of a sudden I will hear them say something that goes a little bit like this. I, so I, I used to call this like, this, I think I did a whole other episode on this. And if I didn't, I'm losing my mind because in my head I did one. <laughs> maybe I did a podcast, maybe I did a Facebook live about this. But there's this old thing where, I, where people would say like, it's like what I call like delaying your own happiness or delaying your healing or delaying your peace of mind. And we used to say this thing like, so when I, then I, when I, then I, so when I finally lose the weight, then I'll be happy. When I finally meet the person of my dreams, then I'll be happy. When I finally get the house, the car, the money, the promotion. So this is the old when I, then I, and this is the thing. Um, you know, uh, when I finally, um, whatever, a thousand ways, blah, 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 right? But a lot of times there's also a flip version of this. And it's a flip version of this where we really consistently give our power away. And I call this one, it's the when they, then I. When they, then I. Um, and it's kind of like, it goes like this, you know. Um, they'll say something like this. Well, I can't do this because they'll, and then fill in the blank right? So somehow I am limited by my capacity to either be happy or be peaceful or um, finally love myself or whatever. Uh, so sometimes we're, we're stopped by our fear of how somebody else reacts, right? How they might react, how they might 
how they might judge us, abandon us, um, call us names, um, attack us, right? Like all, all these things. So it's kind of like, well, I can't do this because then they'll, oh my God, they won't understand. Oh my God, they'll get mad. Oh my God, they'll leave me. Oh my God, they'll, right? So that's one version of it. So we kind of like set up limitations and we limit ourselves from all kinds of shit, all kinds of desires, all kinds of dreams, all kinds of possible changes or transformations and, and things that you want to do. And we won't do them because we can kind of conveniently blame it on other people, right? It's so much easier to stay stuck in our smallness and stuck in our separateness and stuck in our victimization, right? When we can blame it on other people. We can say, well, it's because of them that I can't do this. So when they do this, then I, and so often I just want to say to people, look, you know, we, we hear this phrase thrown around from all kinds of people about you got to take radical personal responsibility. And, you know, I kind of look at that and I think, well, maybe it's radical because not everybody chooses to do it. Maybe it's few and far between of people who really just decide, like they really get. And look, um, I perhaps, I don't know, I don't know on the timeline, on the continuum, like what the appropriate age is to have this awareness. I was lucky enough to have this awareness at a younger age because I found, like I, I, I've told the story, you can go back to... Um, KK meets her spiritual teacher or the origin story or whatever it was. It's like, like the third episode. And I talk about how in a bookstore one day, Marion Williamson's book, A Return to Love fell at my feet. And it was the first time that book fucking changed my life because it was the first time that somebody, first of all, talked to, talked to, talked about God in that particular way, talked about God in a way that I was like, holy shit, this makes so much sense to me. And as a Catholic kid, there was so much that I was like bumping up against all the time in my head, like just shit that like, like I'm like, mm, one of these things just doesn't belong here, right? Like this stuff just didn't make sense. And so when I first started, when I first read A Return to Love, and then again, subsequently went into A Course in Miracles, I was like, oh my God, this is finally starting to make some sense to me. But one of the other things that that book did for me it was the first time that somebody told me that I actually had a choice, that I was responsible, not for what happened to me, meaning like the awful things in the world that can often happen, but that I was responsible though for how I chose to respond to those things that happened to me, the stories I decided to write about those things, the, the perception that I had and the interpretation that I had of those events so that I couldn't control what the world did, but I could certainly decide and make a choice, a choice for love instead of fear around what the world, um, how I thought about what the world did. It was the first time that somebody told me that my, both my suffering and my happiness was my personal choice and my personal responsibility. That blew my mind. It also pissed me off at the time. I was like 24, 25, 26 years old. So that's, that's about right. <laughs> so anyways, here's the thing. We got to take radical responsibility, not only for our own happiness, because like, that's like a given at this point, like, come on, we all know this. We've all read the books. We've all talked to each other. We went, took the courses, right? We, we, we did all the things where we're aware now that that's just kind of a given. I, and if it's not a given and you're hearing this for the first time, I'm not belittling you because this might be new to you, right? This concept that you have a choice and that you get to decide how you want to think about things. This is, you know, when I talk about mind training and meditation and shifting your perception from fear to love. Okay. Uh, but not only is 
like, do we have to be responsible for our own happiness? You know, we also have to be um, responsible for our actions and the choices that we're making and the things that we are or aren't doing. Because here's what I know to be true. And we're circling right back to the title of this thing. You are the one you've been waiting for, not the other people. And in some cases, and I'll dive into this in a little bit, in some cases, you do need a little outside help, right? But first and foremost, you have to show up for yourself. You're the one that you've been waiting for. Like, because so often we think that our happiness, our joy, our peace, our wealth, our health, or whatever comes in the form of, um, of somebody else being the one that you are waiting for. Like all of a sudden they're going to show up um, with the answer. They're going to show up with the solution. They're going to be like the, 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 the genie in the bottle that you can rub and say, grant me my wishes, right? Like we're just sitting around waiting for somebody to save our asses. <laughs> That's not how it goes. Now, that doesn't mean, again, that sometimes we don't need a little outside help. Um, that we, it doesn't mean that we don't sometimes need to get a little different shift in perception, a little different perspective, a new way of looking at something, right? Somebody to just kind of eh, turn the kaleidoscope a little bit. So it's like, oh, I didn't see this viewpoint before. Somebody to turn, turn us and say, stop looking out that window. I was going to say stupid, but most people hopefully don't talk to you that way. <laughs> hey, stop looking out that window, dude, turn, look out this one. Let's get a new POV, a new point of view, right? So I'm not saying that we don't sometimes need to get a little help from somebody else, but, but ultimately, ultimately, you are your own heaven and you are your own hell. You are your own happiness. You are your own hope. Like, do you hear what I'm saying? It's not that we can't have help is because hello, spiritual team on the job. Hello, um, spiritual mentors, teachers, therapists, co right? right? There's people in those positions to help. But first and foremost, it has to start with you making a decision for you and you recognizing that no shit gets done. Nothing gets done without you. You are your own great hope. You know, and so often we get caught up in this shit like, like I'm just going to wait, right? Like, and I, and I keep saying like, there's no knight in shining armor. There's no like knight on a horse. As much as I love uh, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. <laughs> Hashtag nerd alert. But even though I do, it's like we have to be the ones who are wielding our own swords. We have to be our own gatekeepers. We have to be the ones who make the decision that we're not sitting around waiting for other people to save us, that we're going to make a conscious choice to make actions, to make decisions, to um, like choose better people to hang out with to create some spiritual fellowship of people who will not only help you stay accountable, keep your word to yourself, learn to trust yourself, deepen your connection to yourself, your source and your spirit. But it first has to start with an internal, right? With the decision-making mind, we have to choose that. We have to choose love. We have to move out of that fear space of like, yeah, but they might, and when die, then like, what, you know? It's like, no, 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 sweetheart. Like nobody's, nobody's coming to uh, save us. And, and I always say, it's not like Jesus is going to like, is, is going to descend or to re resurrect. Like there's no, no re-resurrection that's coming. Like Jesus is not coming to save our ass in any kind of human form. It, it's not going to go. I always say Jesus isn't going to save you in that way, right? 
not like you're going to sit there and like all of a sudden it's going to be like, oh, Jesus, like he comes walking in the room. He might arrive in some other forms. It might come through some really good information, like a book that you read or something. It might, it might come through inspiration. It might come through some influence of, of um, having intimacy, being, uh, and when I say intimacy, I don't mean sexual intimacy. And I, I, what I'm saying, when I, what I mean by that is being in close proximity to others who are doing the work so that you feel inspired. As my teacher Ishwaran often says, and maybe he was quoting uh, the, the Buddha, but I learned it from him. So I'll say it from him that he says, light your torch from your teacher's fire. I'm going to do a whole podcast episode on that. So this is what I'm trying to say. You get the information, you get the inspiration, you get the divine guidance because you sit your ass down and you DSP, daily spiritual practice. You meditate and you pray and you get quiet and you do the work because you're the one who has to do the work. Who has to do the work? You're the one that has to do the work. Nobody else can do it for you, but you don't have to do it alone. You're the one that your ass has been waiting for. <laughs> you're, you've been waiting for you to choose you, to have faith in you, to believe in you, and to start making conscious decisions to surround yourself with people who are doing this same kind of work so that you can lean on each other. Like I said in my last episode, we don't go home like alone. We have to go home two by two, like on the ark. We walk each other home, you know? And so it's really, um, the question that I'm trying to say here is like, I, I want you to be asking yourself, like, if you've been doing this whole, when they, then I, when they, then I, like, what have you been putting off? What, what have you been putting off in your life? What have you not been doing? What do you, what do you, what have you, who have you been waiting to come and save you? I think about this a lot, especially as women, because, you know, we've been done a disservice. I think the time from the, by the time, like the whole time, like we're little girls, you know, we're bombarded by society. There's always like the prince, the prince who's going to come and give you the kiss to wake you up from the spell. The prince who's going to rescue you from the tower, like Rapunzel right? It's, it's, I'm just like, we can't, we can't wait on the princes. Not saying they can't be part of the story, that those motherfuckers can't be helpful. I'm not saying that. <laughs> Sometimes I crack myself up, you guys. I guess what I'm trying to say is this, you guys, okay? As little girls and as women, we've been kind of bamboozled, right? We've been kind of bamboozled. I think we just grow up with these fairy tales, with these movies, with these romantic comedies. And it's always been like, and then one day your prince is going to come and arrive or the princess, right? Whatever the story is, you know, is going to arrive. And do you guys remember like D Dudley Do-Right? Some of you might be way too young, but those of you who are around my age in your 50s, you might remember Dudley Do-Right. I was kind of obsessed with that cartoon. And Dudley Do-Right was like this little hero. And it was like Dudley Do-Right. And I want to say sweet, Aunt, sweet, sweet, sweet Polly, sweet Polly, something like that. And then there was the villain. And the whole thing was like this whole thing where they would be like, so if I had a, like, just imagine, because those of you who aren't watching, who are listening, you can't see this. So imagine I'm putting my hands at my throat, like I'm wearing a little bow tie. So when Dudley Do-Right, what they would do is they would like, they'd be like a bow tie, right? And, um, and so Dudley Do-Right would be on his little horse, like he was going to come and save the girl that was tied up on the train tracks, like literally, right? 
But there was also this other skit. So Dudley Do-Right was always saving the girl, the damsel in distress, right? Of course, because that's what they feed us. That's what they feed us women, right? And so, um, so all of a sudden, like you take the bow tie from the neck, which is Dudley Do-Right. And then you put it up on your head like now, like it's a little bow in the hair. And this is the female character. And the female character goes, I can't pay the rent. And then the villain, the villainous guy, you take the bow tie off your head and you put it right above your lip like you have a mustache, right? So now we have a bow tie, a bow in the hair, and a mustache. And this is how it would go. The, 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 the bow in the hair, the girl would go, I can't pay the rent. And then the villain would go, you must pay the rent. And then she would go, I can't pay the rent. And then she, he'd go, the villain would go, you must pay the rent. And it would go back and forth. I can't, you must, I can't, you must. And then bow tie, here comes Dudley Do-Right. I'll pay the rent. And then we go right back up to the bow in the hair and she goes, my hero. <laughs> and I would be like, oh my God, they are shoveling this shit on so thick, so thick my hero well here's the deal you got to be your own fucking hero <laughs> i say all this you guys a little tongue-in-cheek right but i want you to really hear me i'm gonna say it like 50 times before this episode is over you are the one you've been waiting for and if we keep sitting around if we keep waiting around for everybody else to save us the government your church your religion your partner your sweetie your kids the doctors your priests like no way jose like no way jose you know, it's just like, okay, that movie, you've heard me, you've heard me kvetch and bitch about this movie a little bit before, like my disdain a little bit. And here's the sad thing about this movie, Jerry Maguire, Jerry Maguire, which I'm about to talk about. I talk about it all the time. The sad thing is, is I, I love that movie. I, I used to be obsessed with Cuba Gooding Jr. I was obsessed with him back in the day. I had, I used to work at a movie theater. I used to work at the largest movie theater in the country at the time. It was an 18... 18 theater cineplex up at uh, Universal City Walk. It was huge in like, you know, um, Hollywood or, you know what I'm saying, up in North Hollywood. And, um, and so all the stars used to come in. And because I was a manager at that movie theater, I used to, after the movies were over, the, the big vinyl banners of the movies and stuff that they would hang. So I used to have this big thing <laughs> with Cuba Gooding Jr. on it, obsessed in my bedroom at home. All right. And then Tom Cruise. I met Tom Cruise one time. That's a story for another day. Okay. So used to be upset, obsessed. So I love that movie, but here's where I didn't, here's the part of the movie that I didn't like that I wasn't a fan of. All right. The movie was good, but there's this one scene, that one scene, you guys, I think you already know what I'm talking about. That, that moment in the movie when Tom Cruise turns around and he says to the girl, what's her name? Renee Zellweger. Was that who it was? And he says, you complete me. And I was like, oh man, no, 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 no. Like I just wanted to run around going, no. I just wanted to go around and like block the ears of all the girls in the audience who were, it's too late. They were already swooning. They were already doe-eyed and like being mesmerized. They were being glamored by the you complete me thing. And I couldn't stop it. I couldn't stop it. You know, and I was just like, I just was like, I just wanted to go up to them and, and say to them, listen to me, listen to me. You don't need somebody to complete you. You don't need somebody to complete you because you're already a whole person. You are a child of God. You are an extension of the divine. You were created as love by love. 
you're, you're not lacking anything. You're not broken. You're not missing a pot. Like, it's not like you came off the assembly line and they were like, oh yeah, not this one. <laughs> She's, this one's a shit show. This one's a mess, right? Like sometimes I say, yeah, like physically your body might be missing pots, but who you are as a person, like sometimes your body might break or break down, break a bone, get a bad ticker, like your hat, you know, needs a little work, whatever your physical body, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about who you really are, who you are as a spirit. You, you are complete, man. You are the thing. You don't need other things and other people to complete you. I mean, think about that. Like, yeah, I get it. I get why, oh, it's romantic, right? These two people, they fall in love. Oh my God, you're my soulmate. You're my spirit animal. You're my fl twin flame. Like all the things we love to say. <laughs> It's, you're already complete. And the thing is, if you go into a relationship thinking that you're lacking or that you need somebody else, that they're the one you've been waiting for, right? If you do it that way, and then it's like you have two people who think that they're broken or that they're halves or they're incomplete trying to, it's like, that is just like a recipe for disaster. When two half people try to make a perfect whole, I'm not saying you can't compliment each other, but isn't it better to have two whole people? Remember Shel Silverstein, that book, The Missing Piece? I think about that all the time, how that missing piece with the big chunk missing would roll down the hill and keep trying on other ones for size. And then it finally finds the missing piece. And I, and I always want to say to Shel, Shel, it, it was a whole piece. Like you drew it wrong. <laughs> because if you have two quote unquote broken or half people, two extra crazy people trying to fucking manipulate each other into getting their needs met. That's what it's saying. I'm incomplete. I need you to pour into me constantly to fill me up, to make me better, to make me feel loved, to make me feel whole, to make me feel. And I'm not saying that relationships aren't beautiful for that, that we recognize the good in each other and divine each other and we, and we build each other up and we, we make each other buoyant with the love. I'm not saying that, but if we are like in a deficit and we're expecting the other person to fill in that gap for us, oh my God, you, it becomes such a, um, a dangerous um, special needs, like a special, we call it like special relationships in, in A Course in Miracles. Because if you think that you're lacking and you hook up with another person feeling like you need them to complete you, there is going to be so much angling and power positioning and manipulation going to try and get the needs met. It, it's, I'm just telling you, it's a recipe for disasters. Because like, how many divorces have we seen? Anybody? Anybody? Want to raise your hand? How many divorces have we seen? Where people, you know, if you go into a thing and you think I'm broken, I'm wounded, and this other person is my salvation, oh my God. Just get the cross ready now. Get ready for the crucifixion <laughs> because your, your salvation lies in you figuring out first who you really are. You figuring out first who you belong to, really, in the spiritual sense. You healing yourself, like now. I mean, of course, of course. I think people are going to come together in relationships for the greatest healing, but not in that desperate like way where we feel like, um, you know, when you, then I, no, no, no. It's, it's like when I 
finally realize that I'm a child of God, when I realize that I came in with permission intact for me to love myself, when I, when I realized I came in worthy and lovable and valuable, that those were like written into the clause, like it came right, like factory standard issue. <laughs> because when both people in a relationship are attuning into the divine work, this is when it can be very healthy. When both people are doing their work, their spiritual work, they can grow together. Okay. But if you just come in and you're like, fix me, save me, make me happy. Oh, hell no. Just like run, just like start running in the other direction. So the first relationship you need to get right with, look, and look at, take this or leave it. You know, this is always just my opinion. And I always reserve the right to change my mind. And this is, this is just what I'm thinking about today. I could wake up tomorrow and go, oh shit. You know, I think I changed my mind about that. But so I always say, leave a little room for grace and, and, and take, take what works and leave the rest. I, I try not to do a lot of shooting, but here's what I know. I can only share what I know I have found helpful. Things that have become evident to me, self-evident to me. This is the only place I can teach from is my own experience. And sure, I can relay stories of other people, but knowledge, knowledge comes from my own firsthand, true blue, real deal, holy field experience. Okay. So this is what I always say, the first relationship we need to get right with, right? Because you are the one you've been waiting for. Is yourself and your God. That's who you're getting right with, yourself and your God. And if, again, you don't like the word God, insert your happy word, universe, higher power, higher self, love, uh, doesn't matter to me. So when we deepen the connect to yourself, your source, and your spirit, which is all stuff that we do in the nest, my spiritual membership, um, in my group program, which is awesome because there's like group coaching and connection and video modules. And you learn like, it's like, it's such a blast. It's all about the implementation and integration of these deeply spiritual principles where people come to find their voice, where they come to have some accountability, where they find other people who are talking about these things, people who show up and they're like, I just keep fucking getting in my own way. Or, Hey, KK, I, I, I you know, I've got all the things. I've got the pot and I've got the kids, I've got the house, whatever, and I'm still unhappy, right? There's like all these different reasons why people try to join together in spiritual fellowship because it's really important because that's the place where it's a safe container. It's called the nest for a reason. It's a safe container for you to deepen your relationship to yourself, to your source and to your spirit. So you stop looking outside of yourself for somebody else to come and save you. And so when you make the decision to join something like working with a coach or like, even if you join a gym to start to get fit, like nobody signs the waiver, but you, you make a choice for your own well-being, And that's the thing. Like we got to start showing up for ourselves and we have to be honest enough when we realize like, Hey, you know, also when part of what I'm saying, like, you're the one that you've been waiting for, right? Like sometimes we have to be honest enough too, like showing up for ourselves in saying, because I've had to do this, I can't tell you how many times I've had to do this in my life. I've had to show up for myself with the realization like, hey, I've taken this thing as far as I can go, right? Because that's what's happened to me. Like I tried to figure out on my own how to end my own suffering. And when I was younger, like I did it through like drinking, I did it through smoking, I did it through drugs, I did it through sex, probably spent a little time shopping, right? Like the ways in which we tried to distract ourselves or to heal ourselves thinking that, you know, distracting ourselves thinking we were trying to heal ourselves or whatever. You know, I took it as far as I could take it. And then at some point I was like, shit, I need some help. So that's like the first step is recognizing like, oh, I needed some help. 
And did, did my spiritual team show up, right? Dropping that book, A Return to Love at My Feet, introducing me to A Course in Miracles, putting me in LA at the right place at the right time where the self-help movement was just like booming, right? Just dropping books and people. And, but I, I was a seeker. I started searching it out. Like I lived at bookstores because back then there weren't coaches. Back then there weren't online courses. There wasn't even really an internet. Like back then it was like you got off your ass and you walked to the store and you went to the bookstore. There was no buying stuff from friggin' Amazon and Googling things. It was like you had to be so proactive in helping yourself. But one of the things I had to realize is that I helped myself by getting help. <laughs> I helped myself by going like, oh my God. So when I say that, like, you got to be your own hero and that you're the one you've been waiting for, like sometimes what you've been waiting for is for yourself to catch up and be smart enough to realize that shit, I'm stuck and I need some help. And that's why there are people like me in the world. You know, in A Course in Miracles, we say like, is so, I'm paraphrasing, but like basically as soon as there's a problem, a solution's already on the way. As soon as that we recognize that there's a problem, a solution is already on the way. Isn't that such good news? That makes me so hopeful and happy every time I think about it. If I'm like stuck on something and I'm like lamenting and it's like, shit, I just remind myself, KK, as soon as there's a problem, a miracle, like help is already on the way. And that's like one of the roles that I serve in this lifetime is I get to be one of the helpers. I get to be a spiritual mentor. People like me, people who love to help other people and to serve other people. And it's why there's spiritual mentors and there's coaches and there's therapists and there's counselors and like all the different professions, right? Because we're the helping kind. <laughs> we, we love to serve, right? We, we also love, you know, we love to get paid <laughs> for these services. I think a lot of people confuse that. They confuse spiritual work with thinking, you know, people who help in the spiritual capacity. They think we should do shit for free, but it's like, dude, Nowhere did God say that part of my uh, divine uh, assignment or individual curriculum was to be broke, right? I've, I've got to like keep a roof over my head too. I got to pay my mortgage and, and put food on the table too. Um, you know, we can't be walking around giving away for free all the time because that's not how the system works anyways. There has to be an equal energy exchange. And sometimes one, one energy exchange is cold hard cash. It's cash right? And sometimes it's like the help, the actual service or product or whatever that is being, being given. But, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is you got to know yourself well enough to know like, hey, at this point, I'm getting in my own way and I'm taking myself at the knees and I've tried to do it my way and it's just not working and I'm just not capable. Like admitting this, like I always say to people, your, your strength lies in your vulnerability because when you get to a place where you can just really accept this is the key. You might have an awareness of it, but you might not be ready to accept it yet. You know, in, in the nest, we have a module um, that I talk about that's called uh, the four C's and the four A's. And the first A is awareness. And then the second A is acceptance. And until you accept it, and sometimes we just have to accept, hey, I am not capable of overcoming this particular challenge, this particular problem, this particular feeling on my own then God, do I want to feel differently? And that's so much of the work that I do is I help people to, um, you know, people are like, well, what do you sell? You sell a service? I'm like, well, really, I guess what I'm selling is the possibility to feel different, the possibility to feel more deeply connected to self-source and spirit, the possibility to, to, to feel inner peace, the possibility to feel like you belong, the possibility to feel like, 
purposeful and intentional in your life, the possibility to feel like you have more courage and more conviction, the possibility to feel like your voice matters and you matter and you've got something to say, right? But sometimes we have to recognize with, with the knowledge that I have, with the stuff that I know, I don't have the spiritual tools in my spiritual toolkit yet, KK, to be able to help myself. But just the acceptance of this, the awareness and then the acceptance of this will put you more in alignment of trying to find the people who are actually worthy of your money and your time to help you. You know, it's so powerful when we finally say, hey, I just need a little help. But you have to have done the work first, right? To, to recognize that there's a problem because you can't fix what you don't need, no needs fixing. You know what I'm saying? So you've got to be the one that you've been waiting for. You got to stop waiting for other people. And here's another layer of it. Like sometimes people are like, well, when they finally stop cheating on me, when they finally, whatever, when they finally acknowledge that being a writer isn't crazy. When they finally give me my permission slip to be who I know in my heart I'm supposed to be. You know, we can't keep waiting for other people to give us permission. And we can't wait for our partners or other people in our life, your kids, your business, whoever. You can't wait for other people to change in order for you to finally be happy. Because I always say, you put those expectations on people. Expectations are like premeditated resentments in such a huge way. So here's the deal, you guys. We've got to stop waiting around for everybody else to change so you can finally be happy. you gotta, you got to go out and you've got to, like, seek your own liberation because your freedom lies in you doing your spiritual work. And if you need some help, like, that's what I'm here for, okay? My group program, The Spiritual Membership, The Nest, I'm swinging open the doors to this sucker next week. So this isn't going to be some big sales pitch. But it would be stupid of me not to tell you that it exists because what if it's what you've been waiting for? What if it's the perfect thing where you've been looking for a little bit of help and some community in a group program where you're also going to get some KK time. You're going to get to talk to me, not one-on-one -on -one in private. It's all done in group, but there's incredible modules and there's incredible guest teachers. And we have community calls where people break out into breakout rooms and get have deeper connections. It's very intimate. It's amazing. And we have a lot of fun. We laugh a lot. Look, it's hard work. It's spiritual work. And nobody ever said that personal and spiritual work is a fucking blast ever. Nobody says that. <laughs> I mean, I do because I'm, but I'm weird, right? Like I'm weird. Like this is, this is my zone. This is where I love to hang out. So I'm swinging open those love doors next week. Um, and we already have an amazing, beautiful group of people who both had the balls and the courage, right? The balls and the courage to stand up and say, Hey, KK, I need some help. And I'm ready to go to the next level. And I'm ready to answer the divine call. And I'm ready to do the work that I came here to do. And sometimes it might be like, hey, I don't know what my ministry is yet. I don't know what my mission is yet. I mean, some of them do. Some of them do. They know exactly why they're on the planet. And they have these things where they want a little more support. They want to belong to a community of like-minded people who are thinking about these things and talking about these things and doing these things. But not everybody knows what their mission is yet or their message. And when I say that, I'm not saying like, oh, all of a sudden you're going to go out and have this big platform. And I just mean their personal mission, their personal ministry, their personal message. You know, and some people are still finding their voice. But man, do they want to use it, right? They want to be the one that they've been waiting for. Because then they can go out and help others. And it might just be helping your kid or helping your sibling or helping your cousin 
or helping a coworker. Because when we can't put out other fires and help other people while we're still burning. So we got to like extinguish, we got to like drop and roll, son. We got to stop, drop and roll, put out our own fire so we can go back with buckets of water and put other people out. So this is the thing. It's really important because once you start to do this work, you get in the nest, you start owning your shit, you start taking responsibility, you start owning both your bullshit, but and your brilliance and your brilliance. And then you can go out and help the people who need help. But like, you can't be out there helping people if you're like, if you're dog paddling, paddling to stay alive, if, like if your shit's totally crazy, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so look, I really want you to think about this. I want you to ask yourself these questions. Have I been putting off my own success? Have I been putting off my joy, my peace, my happiness, my well-being, my health, my financial prosperity, my creativity? Have I been waiting for like some perfect moment for some perfect person to come and give me the permission slip to save my own ass, right? Like if you've been waiting to like write the book or dance the dance or sing the song, if you haven't made the music that you want, like if you haven't been, if you like haven't done the thing, the whisper of your heart, the call, the pull, the thing that lights you up, like the dream or the secret of the dream that you don't even dare whisper to anybody. Like the nest is the safe place for that stuff where we celebrate you. And yeah, we challenge you. It's really me challenging you. Nobody else is challenging you because that's my role as a mentor. And I don't mean challenge you like I'm up in your face, like being a big blue meanie. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, if you've been waiting on everybody else to like fix it for you or to heal it for you or to help you, I'm not saying that outside help is bad because hello, that's what I do for a living. But also God helps those who help themselves. It's just a fact, like you gotta do your part. You gotta be open for business. If you haven't listened to that episode, go check that sucker out. You gotta be open for business. You gotta do your part. You know, so a lot of times my clients, my members, you know, they have really amazing results, right? They have amazing results doing this work. And it's not just, be, it's not like, oh, I was going to say, it's not just because I'm a genius. That sounded arrogant. That's not what I meant. <laughs> I was going to say, it's not because I'm a genius or I've got it all figured out. But I do, I've, I've put in some time, you guys. I've put in my time. I've figured out a few things that have been helpful for me, Right. And they apparently seem to be helpful to other people. And oh my God, thank, thank Christ, because I would, I would feel bad otherwise. But, you know, people who are in the nest, right? All these people just wrote me these beautiful testimonials about their experience in the nest and things that they might say to other people who are thinking about joining. And maybe I'll share those on, on the next episode or something like that. But it just like lit up my heart. It just like made me so happy. But so often they'll just be like, KK, like, oh my God, like you changed my life. And I'm always like, whoa, 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 right? Because I would look, that's beautiful. And I'm always trying to get better at receiving love. So I'm not like deflecting it, but there's a reason why I say that. There's a reason why I'm like, slow your roll. Like, let's really look at this because you're the one who said yes to the membership. Like you're the one who said yes to the program, right? You're the one who like, for lack of a better word, like you're the, you're the one who first decided to help yourself. And then you were the one who did the modules and you were the one who's been showing up on the calls and you're the one who's been commenting in the group and creating community, right? You're the one who like, quote unquote, like did, did, did the homework. You know, you're the one who's helping yourself now. So while it's beautiful, like, don't get, don't get me wrong. It's beautiful that they extend that to me. 
And yeah, I put in the work and I created the damn thing. And I like, you know, so I, I will own that. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. I, I try not to deflect beautiful and generous words anymore. I used to suck at taking a compliment. If you can relate to that double amen hands, you probably know how, what, how I feel, but I'm, I'm a recover. I'm recovering. <laughs> I'm a, I, I always say like, um, I, I have stopped um, deflecting love like a motherfucker. Now I try to really just stand open-hearted and, and receptive to the, to the love that's trying to come my way. But here's the deal. I can offer these things to other people because I went first. I did my work first. So now I can help other people do theirs. But I continue to do my own. There's no like place where this stops. Like that's the other funny thing. It's not like people like, well, when will I whatever? I'm like, what? Like this whole thing, like as long as we're in a human body, this being human is an ongoing problem. That's why the nest is an ongoing membership because it's not like we hit like theta level. This isn't like, you know, something where it's like, oh, once you hit this level, like you're all set, you don't need your spiritual team anymore. You don't need help anymore. Right. It's like, no, it's an ongoing thing where you're helping yourself and you're doing your own work. But then through that work exponentially, you know, we get, we get to help others. So look, I take the compliment. That's all I'm trying to say. Uh, but I'm also, I'm very clear to point out like, hey, you guys were the ones that took the leap of faith. You're the ones that put in the time. You're the ones who faced your fears. And you're the ones who I said are consistently showing up, you know, to do the work. And that's how we do it, you guys. That's how we do it. First, we have to be the ones we were waiting for. We show up and we recognize, okay, this is what I can do. This is how I can help myself. And then if we bump up and we find this place where it's like, oh, I've taken this thing as far as I could go. And I'm tired of doing this alone. And I don't want to do it alone anymore. And KK, I'd love some help. And I want to have some spiritual community, some fellowship, some support. Then the nest is a beautiful, beautiful place to you. And I'd love to talk to you about it. If you have any questions, you can always DM me, send me an email, Karen at KarenKenny.com. Uh, and that would just be absolutely amazing, you guys. Um, you help yourself and then we help each other and we get to do it together. And uh, I would love that. Let's go do some fun shit together. <laughs> Let's do some healing. Let's transform those old stories to your glory because that's where the freedom lies, you guys. We're starting off a fresh new year. We are rolling into it, clean slate. We got the do-over. We talked about it last week. Now let's do something purposeful. Let's get down to the business. You are the one you've been waiting for. And maybe I'm one of the helpers that could help you get better at helping yourself. <laughs> All right, you guys, that's what I got for you this week. Never forget, you're the one you've been waiting for. I love you. I celebrate you. You got any questions, reach out, KK. <laughs> you know, I'm happy to, happy to talk to you more about any of the stuff that I offer, the nests and stuff like that. Um, and I did it, like, just so you know, I tried to do it in an affordable way. Um, I think I, I think I did the math. I don't drink coffee, so I don't know because you do not want KK on caffeine, but um, it's not it's, it doesn't feel good in my tummy either. But um, but I think for like the nest is like like I said, it's like the cost of like if you just gave up, not gave up, but when I was pricing it out, like you know one coffee a day. Like if you if you go to it's cheaper than like one one coffee a day at Starbucks per month. Like meaning like if you go to Starbucks right? Like every day, like Monday through Friday, right? And you do that four weeks in a row at the cost of a month. Your, your coffee bill at the end of the month would be more than it takes to join the nest month by month by month. So 
that's what I got for you guys. I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope somehow this was helpful to you. Um, I always love our time together. And um, yeah, I hope some of you will decide to join our little family of peacocks in the nest. That would be amazing. Wherever you go, you guys, wherever you go, especially this year, because if there's one thing that I learned, and if you listen to the episode on Thanksgiving, be kind, be kind, be kind. Uh, this is a call right now for us to be more compassionate than ever, more kind than ever, more thoughtful than ever. Better listeners, more generous listening, um, more understanding, just more merciful and tender. Um, and that is where we will find our strength in, um, in each other and in the divine and in ourselves. So an opportunity to deepen your connection to self-source and spirit. I love you wherever you go. May you be a blessing. Bye. you guys thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the karen kenny show <laughs> i super duper appreciate your time friendship and support and look if something that i shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours i'd love to hear about it so please tag me on facebook or instagram or ig stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days and let me know what your favorite pot was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. -E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you wanna hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing.